Hello, uh, welcome to the Missing in Architecture lecture series titled Peripheral Visions, with the aim to provoke the investigation of architecture through a wider lens. Uh, today we have Joss Boys, architect, educator, researcher and writer, whose interests include the social aspects of architecture and design. Joss is interested in how we make a difference by informing wider debates around the design of the built environment and by improving the equality and the quality of experiences of architecture and space for disadvantaged and marginalised groups in society. Hello, Joss. Hi there. Um, we had some questions prepared um, for you and we'd like to ask you, first of all, um, what was missing in your architectural education? I think... Um... I mean, it's inter- I feels like the things that still interest me come out of that experience of having gone to architecture school as a kind of scholarship girl, first in family, into university, and from a family that really had no idea what architecture was. So I think I was quite confused. It took me a long time to get to grips with what the rules of the game were. And then I think I've always been fascinated in how architecture doesn't really look at itself very much. It's a very kind of self-contained, I think often quite defensive profession. Yeah, yeah. And so um, it's inculcated in a particular way that is quite implicit rather than explicit. And I got into teaching because I was really interested in how you might shift that and then realised that it's sort of really quite complicated and nuanced about how we come to learn to be a certain, not just to learn a subject, to become a certain sort of person, yeah. which is this person, the architect. And so what was missing for me, I guess, was that sense, which I think has got better, in fact, that sense of really knowing what, how this role fitted into a wider society and also how um, how we might how we had a better understanding how people occupy space. What was going on here in terms of how buildings came to be? Uh, what were the decision making processes, and what was important about what we did? And I think one of the issues with architecture, say compared to interior architecture, is you are making these big strategic decisions about structure and uh, construction and. Um, the kind of detail, the kind of lived quality of people's lives often gets swept under the carpet in that process. Do you think that that's something that's still missing in today's education? I do, because I think it varies from place to place and from individual to individual, but it f- I think that the tools that we use, um, whether it's ergonomic drawings or plan sections and elevations, are actually quite... Um, disembodied tools they're actually they're about a particular way of thinking of space functionally and constructionally in terms of how you might inform a builder so there are a whole lot of richer ways of uh, analysing, mapping describing, communicating space somehow get lost in the works and in losing those techniques we also in not having those techniques we also don't um, we kind of forget about those things somehow. They yeah. disappear into the cracks. Yeah, and it goes back to sort of engagement with the wider community, doesn't it? If you have those other techniques to sort of be able to describe a space that not the layperson might not be able to read a plan or section. Mm. You know, if you bring in those other devices in, into education, I think. Yes, I do. Uh, I mean, that. some of it is very definitely about more community-based practices, of which there's quite a lot. But I also think it is 
you know, one of the things that happens, uh, I personally, I feel, through the kind of crit system is that you also, you learn a set of ways of behaving, so you design something in what is often quite a rich and iterative way, but then your goal is to stand in front of it and persuade other people that it's right, yeah. you know, that it's definitely what they need, what they should buy, why they should fund it. So the whole process seems to me, from from kind of the techniques we use through to the styles we develop to persuade other people of our work, is is the right thing we've made the right decisions it's not that it's wrong it's just that we don't have it doesn't get I don't know whether it happens here but I don't think it really gets discussed I don't think there's an opportunity to step back I mean obviously a lot of the work I do is around disability so to give an example the building regulations part M it's got some really good... It's really important that that happened, but it's also incredibly limited, and the history of how we came to have Part yeah. M, which is a really important history, hasn't really been written, yeah. and it yeah. was completely... It did come out of disability activism, but it's also a particularly odd way that it got translated, and the way it got translated within architecture is actually really, really problematic. And it comes out of, you know, all that stuff has links back to eugenics, it has links back, you know, the kind of yeah. ideas about averages, about human average... Yeah are actually really problematic ideas yes. about what are bodily norms. But we're nowhere even near those being discussions in architecture school. No. We don't get anywhere near that. Whereas that's really rich, that's really interesting. Yeah. You, you, you need, as when you, by the time you get into your uh, professional life, you will need to use, yes. you know, you'll need to know what part M to use it. But it would be really great if you also had an understanding about what its limitations were and how it is a very particularly socially and historically constructed yeah. set of um, uh, information and knowledge, ditto with the building, with spe- building specification, you know, all of that stuff is not just common sense, technical, objective knowledge. Um, it's, it's a whole, it embeds a whole history of power relations, social relations, ideas about what sorts of bodies are valued, and that, to me, is absolutely um, lovely stuff to think about. Yes. As it's much wider than is actually listed in Part M. Exactly. In the tread widths, yeah. tread depths, and stair yeah. widths, and, and all, all the stuff. Yeah, and that's and because of where you're taught it, you're taught it very late in the yeah. day, and you're yeah. taught it as just something that you have to add on to your yeah. existing practice. It never becomes um, something that might be that you might have a criticality around. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And I do, I mean, for me, you know, going back to the thing about the limits, my experience, and I've done a lot of teaching at a lot of different levels, is just like I did, people come into architecture because they're really interested in society and the social and in making things better for people. Yeah. And somehow, in some amorphous and quite insidious way, that just doesn't really happen. It happens in little blips. Yeah. But in terms of how you learn, by the time you've finished... And you're out, you know, and you've got to get out there and get a job, unless you're really lucky and you're not working just, you know, in a straight commercial practice. That's all kind of just got lost. lost. So to counter the argument that is often made in architecture schools, we're not sociologists, mm. we're architects. What would your reaction to that comment be? Well, I, I mean, it's interesting too, because of course everything for me has this you know, you have a criticality by putting it in a particular context. And so when I studied architecture, we did sociology because it was yeah. it was fashionable. 
Yeah. And then it fell out of fashion and it got replaced with linguistics and then that got replaced with phenomenology. So there's a whole series of uh, theoretical frameworks that get used and which, depending on when you study, is the framework yeah. that you get or the school that you study in, which again are never... They're not necessarily... They're kind of just... Um, translated into architecture often in quite um not necessarily fully thought through ways not deep enough not deep enough yeah and again not critical enough so i think it is um is this thing about how we have a so for me the social thing is not that we're not sociologists but that we we should be reflective of and critical of our own practices Yes. So it's not even about the world out there. We're not sociologists. We can't kind of have a huge understanding of how the world works. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But we could have a much better understanding of how architecture and then the practices of architecture as a discipline yes. fit um, fit into that wider world. Yes. Yeah, I think that's, that's quite right. How would you um, sort of react to the question of you know what do you think the architectural education will look like in the next decade or or, or beyond um i i mean you know in terms of students experiences the the shift in higher education anyway so that students are under much more pressure because they're paying fees than for example yeah. i was um higher education anyway has become completely has had to become obsessed with employability it's had to become obsessed with um, kind of competition and status uh, and, and, and those kinds of goals. So what we have now is, um, I think, in higher education generally, even when we, before we talk about architecture, is itself a very stressed and stretched system. Yeah. And yeah. that's affecting students badly, mm-hmm. as we've discussed before about around mental health, for example. And architecture fits quite... Um, doesn't architects, architecture in particular because of its kind of emphasis on intrinsic motivation, on obsession on working all working, hours of the night yeah, and day yeah. and a kind of set of work practices that themselves really yeah. need looking at because Absolutely. they are very discriminatory and they're kind of crazy, they don't yeah. fit you know the plan of work the, the design bit is such a tiny proportion yeah. of it but it's what we kind of get rightly because it's so much spend a long time we spend a huge amount of time on so in terms of what it might look in the future i think for me it's quite it's kind of it's in that bigger context and and it does feel like i mean there's lots of really brilliant stuff going on in different architecture schools certainly in this country and and elsewhere but it does feel quite stultified it feels like it's all a bit stuck and the arguments that go round the professional bodies about whether undergraduate should be more of a kind of liberal arts degree and yes. professionalise in a later stage. I mean, I think, for me, that that is quite a good model, that you separate out the vocational element from the kind of um, exploratory, more educational, yes. sort of more arts and humanities end. Because I think, just going back to conversation we had earlier about finding out who you are mm. is very important, and actually when you're in undergraduate, it's quite hard to find out who you are and, and yeah. your relationship to architecture or your approach to it yes or your criticism or critical judgment yes and I think you're right that if you had that liberal arts sort of to begin with you could then focus on couldn't you yes and I do think I mean I think there are places where that 
happens more explicitly than others. I've certainly worked on courses where there's been a real concern with beginning to think about what sort of practice you want to do and whether and when I was studying the idea that at undergraduate that you had to be an architect at the end of it yeah. was actually I mean it was a very different time in the 70s but it was kind of it wasn't there was no idea that we might all end up Go being back. architects yeah. it wasn't it wasn't even it was like why would we there were loads yeah. of other things you could do yeah. and that was a positive it wasn't that you yeah, were dropping absolutely. out of the yeah. profession so I do think um there are there are models I think of you know what I'd like it to be rather than what it will be I think in terms of what it how it moves forward I think it's the bigger political picture yeah. that's really going to make a difference and to some extent I mean there's plenty going on in in terms of higher education or post school post secondary education which which is just completely doing away with universities completely yeah and yeah. I guess kind of apprentice you know lots of models around apprenticeships or doing it you know, almost going back Graduate to kind of schemes. Yeah, and, yeah, going back to kind of Victorian models for how yes. you study to be an architect. So I think yeah. we're it's really unclear what the future and I think holds. You're right in saying just the way that we value architects. You know, is there's a sort of bigger question about the value and labour of architects that yeah. has to be put back in a sort of government level. The value put on architects being consulted in bigger strategic developments yeah. Yeah. Um, the growth of cities the you know connection of in- infrastructure doesn't actually happen um, or if it does the architect is not the lead on it um, so that until that sort of changes are we producing architects too many mm. architects yes and I think if it the, you know in terms of what that wider role is if it if you know I think architects sure it's architecture as a profession is quite interesting in that I think there are aspects of the way that we're taught that do give us that broader power but we live in a capitalist world certainly if we're talking where uh, the value of creative labour is very low because you have to just enjoy it so you know it's it's for me when I've you know I've also taught access and foundation and and here I am I'm training people up for a very long education that won't necessarily earn the very yeah. large amounts of money you know just just how it's valued at that Absolutely. level in the most yeah. economic level so kind of the sense that architecture architects do know things and should have more power I think both knocks back on education about what it is that you learn to have those strategic knowledges which I'm not sure we do no. teach but also about being able to explain better what it is that that creative labour produces, yes. as well as valuing it yeah. in, like in the office and not making yeah. people work very long hours for no money. Um, and, you know, again, there's a history, and understanding that history, understanding the history in the 19th century of how, in the kind of competition for who did what, architects decided, in the beginning of the ROBA, say, in... Uh, the English situation, the ROBA decided very deliberately not to include surveying as part of what it did. Right. And the surveyors went off and earned lot, lots more money. So there's a kind of interest yeah. about where disciplinary, yeah. historically, where disciplinary boundaries were made and how they were made and how they still leave us in a situation where it's quite hard to explain what it is that's our added value, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's difficult to quantify to, yes. to others, possibly. Yes, yes. So just to sort of wrap up earlier, 
you said you wouldn't don't regret anything in terms <laughs> of your architectural education you you came in with your eyes slightly closed about what architects do would you like to expand on that yes i think um and again it goes back to that thing about the richness of architectural education as as something that opens you up to the world isn't necessarily just about ending up being this particular kind of um, focused professional. For me, I, it's given me the opportunity. I love, I'm, I'm completely obsessed with architecture, with buildings, with public space. I'm obsessed with, you know, it's just like this amazing thing that the world, you know, you don't need to go to a museum. The world is your gallery. It's all yeah. there. Yeah. Everything that you look at is part of what you're what you're interested in, what you do. And for me, I think that um, finding opportunities with others, uh, like, for example, the, the feminist work that we did as Matrix in the 1980s, finding ways of trying to understand better how space intersects with gender, with race, with class, with disability, obviously more recently, trying to understand those things and uh, do, if you like, action research or creative interventions that provoke or comment on or engage with a more equitable understanding of um, built space is um, a hugely enjoyable and fruitful thing to do. And also, it's so... Um, Untouched is the wrong word. It's definitely touched. There's lots of people doing it, but it feels yeah. like there's so much, much more yeah. you can do. But yeah. it's such a... Because architecture still has this idea that, you know, a, a sort of old-fashioned architect still think that things like gender and, and, and race or disability aren't that interesting to them. It's, there's just this huge, rich field that we, that we yeah. can investigate. It just the work with the disordinary architecture project just opens up more and more possibilities yeah. Yeah. every time we do work it's like oh we don't know the answer to that question yes raising more questions raising and, more questions more creative and, questions so yeah. uh, that's I think what's been fantastic Great. for me well it's been a pleasure talking to you and um, looking forward to keeping in touch uh, for future encounters yes yes, um, yes so thank you very much Joss you're welcome